Dear God, I thank you for today. And this is a sober anniversary for our nation, Roe versus Wade, and that decision uh, to defy you, to um, say that we are in control of the most basic life, the most basic gift that you give us. And Lord, we just pray for our country. Uh, we come to you and we're sorry. And it's heartbreaking that we have uh, gone down this path. I just pray that today will be a challenge to us. It will be a comfort. It will be an encouragement. Lord, I thank you that you are a gracious God. And if we have had a hand in this, maybe there are men here who have gotten ladies pregnant and encouraged abortion. Lord, we, we ask for forgiveness. And we thank you for your grace. Lord, for those women who have had abortions, Lord, we, we understand that those are desperate decisions often made in fear. And we know that Jesus died for that sin just like he did every other sin. And we, we just accept and offer your grace. Lord, we just grieve. The loss of human potential is just uh, heartbreaking. So we just pray for your time together here. We pray for your spirit to work. In the name of Jesus, amen. I do want to mention one other thing as I dig in. Um, in your bulletin, there is a flyer about uh, the Find Out Free Clinic. So if you want to kind of follow up, if something, um, you know, if the Spirit nudged you and you want to talk to Sarah, you certainly can catch her or one of her team out in the hallway. But there is a, a flyer in the bulletin. So later you're like thinking about it, praying about it, how do I get a hold of them, that information's there. also want to mention that there's a, a leadership conference that we're doing coming up at the end of January. I encourage you to think about that. If, if you are interested in leadership development, it's an amazing lineup of, of Alaska leaders, and I think you will find it to be very beneficial and challenging and encouraging and help you to take your leadership whether it's positional leadership or just the influence we all have on other people to another level. And so I encourage you to check that out. If you um, can help me kind of spread the word on that, I would appreciate that. If there's a bulletin board at your apartment complex or if there's a community board at your workplace or there's those that you think of that might enjoy this or find this helpful. Um, now, now, don't go up to somebody and say, you're a terrible leader. You ought to come to this. Don't do that, but, but uh, just people you think might be helpful like hey they have a heart to grow and to learn in this we can all grow in this and so I just want to mention that as well so as we think about uh, pro-life Sunday and this is something that churches have been doing for a long time um, it is it is very clear in the scripture that I mean right in the beginning in the book of Genesis the creation of man, we are told that, that men and women are made in the very image of God. And so we have value. We have worth. And you can sum up right there at the beginning of the creation story, you can sum it up in, in two words, really, and that's that people matter. That God has made this, the, the pinnacle of his creation are men and women. And and our founders, 
grabbed that concept from the Bible, and Thomas Jefferson and probably some of the most famous words from our founding documents once said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, couldn't get the word out there, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So our rights don't come from the government, they come from God himself. And in 1973, the Supreme Court of the United States in Roe versus Wade decided that all of us, all of us, for a period of time, for that initial beginning season of our lives, that all of us are expendable and disposable. And our government decided that they get to choose, in a sense, who lives and who dies, that they will hand that to people rather than leaving that in the hands of our Creator. According to Right to Life, since Roe versus Wade, legal abortion in the United States has killed 62,502,904 babies is the best estimate that they get since 1973. The count up behind me is so 32 minutes ago while we were singing, they started a clock. This is the world number. This is how many babies have died in 32 minutes around the world, 3,128. And it's eight babies about every five seconds around the world. This is the most horrifying holocaust that humanity has ever faced and we're doing it to ourselves. It did not take long for man in the book of Genesis to spill blood. There were two brothers, Cain and Abel, and Cain got upset with his brother and killed his brother. And in Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, the Lord says to Cain, he says, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, I love the United States. I love the freedoms that we have. I love many of the aspects of living here, and I value that citizenship. But I want you to think about the cry of 62 million babies in the ears of a holy God. I want you to think about that. Roe versus Wade, they didn't take a stand on when life begins. They just were like, they kind of left that question open, which I find fascinating. So they didn't take a stand on when life begins. I think science has made it very clear that it's at conception. New DNA, a new life, a new person, a different body from the mother. And... And yet, Roe versus Wade just plowed ahead. They weren't sure. They didn't feel like they could answer that question when life begins, but they just plowed ahead. Now, many of you are hunters. You know, I want you to think about the fact that when you're in doubt, you're out there with a hunting buddy, and you've gotten separated from your hunting buddy, and, you know, the, the bushes the, over here, it starts to move, and you're like, something's coming through, right, this area. 
and you don't know where your hunting buddy is, but this could be a moose, and you're excited about this, do you fire? If you're in doubt, do you fire? No. But the United States of America chose to fire. 62 million times. I, I can't even wrap my mind around it. So, how can we make a difference? It's overwhelming. It's heartbreaking. To feel the weight of it is paralyzing. Let me just give you a couple things. I want to give you the word help. H-E-L-P. And I'm not going to spend a long time, but I just want to go through and give you a few keys. How can you help? Average American, Fairbanks, Alaska, what can you do? The first, the H in help is here. The Bible says in James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I think it's really important that as Christians, as people who care about life, that we hear the stories of those in these moments, in these points of decision, in these painful times where maybe a boyfriend is pushing for the abortion, or maybe all your plans seem like they are just going to go away if you have this child. Or you look at the finances and you think, how is this going to happen? I don't think there's ever a justification for taking a life, but it is important that we listen. One of the best gifts you can give anybody in a crisis pregnancy, in a time of indecision in a time of fear and worry and anxiety one of the best gifts you can give them is to listen i used to work for a crisis line for three and a half years and a lot of times i couldn't do anything for a person but i offered them this one simple powerful gift a listening ear from somebody who cared about them and it is profound what that can do be that person slow to speak but quick to listen the e in help is for educate the bible says in proverbs 29 verse 18 where there is no revelation people cast off restraint but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction i would say we're in a time where people have cast off restraint where a large percent of American women have had abortions, many multiple abortions. And we need to offer people wisdom. We need to help them see. And there's a lot to this issue. There's a lot of roads I could go down. I mean, we could talk about one of the things that the uh, pregnancy center does is that Sarah and I think others go into the public schools and talk to the kids about abstinence. And I know that's a lonely voice in our culture, but it's important that the church do that. It's important that the Crisis Pregnancy Center does that. It's important that Christian parents do that and Christian youth sponsors and Sunday school teachers because it matters. God doesn't give us rules. He doesn't give us guidelines to cramp our style. It's because he knows what is best for us. He is our creator. He's our maker. He's our loving father. And what is best for us is to wait and express fully that sexuality, that union in marriage 
and marriage alone. That's one way we can educate. Another one that I think is important that you may not be aware of is to have the conversation and help people understand what an organization like Planned Parenthood, what drives it, what are the origins, what's that about? It's been interesting in, you know, here in the last year or so, the Black Lives Matter movement has taken off and uh, has really raised the discussion level about the issue of racism in our culture. And in that regard, it is valuable now, I have, I have concerns about the Black Lives Matter organization, and you can do your research and look at that. There's some very troubling things about the organization. But la black lives do matter because everyone is made in the image of God. Everyone is valuable. Everyone matters. And yet, part of what drives Planned Parenthood, you can track this in their origin story, is racism. And I don't think most people know that. But go do some research on Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, deeply involved in the eugenics movement. This idea that, and it really was birthed out of evolution, out of evolutionary thought. This idea that we're involving, and so those in that movement uh, believe the white race, the, Ar the Aryan race was the superior and the darker races were inferior. And that's, that's what kind of bubbled up about that. You probably have heard or maybe even read Origin of Species by Charles Darwin, but what you probably didn't know was the subtitle of that book and the original, um, the original version of that book, the subtitle after Origin of Species was The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. And Margaret Sanger was part of this eugenics movement that wanted to weed out those that they declared as undesirable. And they had a strong tendency to say that whites were desirable and blacks were not desirable. In 1942, what she was a part of, the American Birth Control League, which was clearly a eugenic organization, simply changed its name and became Planned Parenthood. And I believe that they have continued in that direction she was, uh, one of the things she did, and you can go research this, is she created what was called the Negro Project, in which they basically designed a way to sterilize unknowingly African-American women and others that they deemed undesirable, that they didn't want to reproduce. And so, if, you've never, if you have some time, there's a documentary you might want to check out. It's called MAFA, M-A-A-F-A-21. I think I put it in your outline. But I want to say this, and this is scary, but Planned Parenthood is succeeding. According to Ben Carson, the doctor, um, also ran for president at one point, but Ben Carson, African-American leader, he says that the number one killer of African-Americans in the United States is not heart disease, it's not cancer, it's not violence as far as like street crime, it is abortion. That's the number one cause of death among African-Americans. Even today, 78% of Planned Parenthood clinics are in minority communities. That's not an accident. An African-American baby is five times more likely to die from an abortion as a white child. 
African-Americans make up about 12% of the population, but have 35% of the abortions. They have been targeted as a community. And I encourage you to dig into that and think about it. It's horrifying. I watched a video where a pro-life group called Planned Parenthood and offered them money specifically. You know, they just pretended to be donors and said, I want to give money, but I want it to go specifically to uh, making sure that it kill, kills black babies. And the person on the other end who worked for Planned Parenthood said, I'm so excited to hear that and, and had this whole conversation. So we have this violent, evil practice of taking the lives of children and we have it driven by this evil view of one race over another so educate i encourage you to dig into this issue some and there are lots of different directions you can study the l in help is for love women who have abortions are not the enemy they are, in many ways, victims themselves. They are often coerced. They are in desperate situations. I love the story in the Bible where there's this woman who's caught in adultery and she's brought to Jesus. She's humiliated. It says she's caught in the act of adultery. So I visualize this poor woman like wrapping herself in a sheet, desperately trying to cover herself. They let the man go. And they bring her to Jesus to humiliate her, to kill her, and to put him on the spot because the law was that she would die for adultery. And you probably remember how Jesus handled this. He said, well, first he wrote on the ground. Nobody knows what he wrote on the ground. My favorite theory is that he began to write the sins of the men circling the woman who were holding the stones. That's my favorite theory, but we don't know what he wrote. He wrote something in the dust. And he said, whoever's without sin, you cast the first stone. And they all stood there and they looked at each other. And then the older men, one by one, began to leave till finally the young men left. And then he looked at this distraught, humiliated, embarrassed woman in a desperate situation. And I kind of visualizing him taking her her face in his hands and just looking at her in the eyes he says well there's no one here to condemn you neither do I condemn you and Jesus Christ the perfect one the only one who could have thrown the stone chose not to as a matter of fact for her and for me and for you he didn't just choose not to throw the stone he chose to offer his very life out of love so that we could be forgiven so that we could be set free, so that we could live a different life, so that we could walk in holiness and truth. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Under the law, she could have faced death. And Jesus stepped in as her substitute, as our substitute. So the L in help is love. Walk alongside people when they're hurting, when they're struggling, when they're wrestling with these decisions. Offer them the gift of your presence, of your prayers, of your kindness. The P in help is for participate. 
there's something that psychologists talk about. It's called the bystander effect, kind of the classic case study in the bystander effect when you look at this particular aspect and, and it seems to infect many, many people. It's the case of Kitty Genovese. This happened at 3.20 in, in the morning in March in Queens, New York, many years ago. She was working at a restaurant, a bar, and began to walk home. On the way home, a man attacked her. He actually stabbed her. She screamed when he stabbed her and screamed, I've been stabbed, I've been stabbed, cried out for help. Lights at the, you know, there were lots of apartments around. Lights came on, people opened windows, and the man ran away. Nobody did anything. Nobody came down to help her. Nobody called the cops. He came back a few minutes later, stabbed her again. She's still screaming. Nobody did anything. He left, and he kept hearing her, so he came back for a third time, stabbed her a third time, and that was too much. Finally, one person called. Now, nobody called for a half hour. The police got there within two minutes, but they couldn't save her at that point. In the investigation, 38 different people witnessed some part of this attack or assault, but did nothing. And when pushed on this, most people thought for certain that somebody would do something, that somebody was closer than they were, that somebody would step up. And they just did nothing. The person who finally did call the police actually deliberated, struggled with it, called a friend and said, should I call the police? I don't want to get involved. Actually walked to another person's apartment and used their phone in the hopes of trying to stay out of it. Sixty-two million lives since 1973. We can't stay out of it. We cannot be bystanders. This matters. Are there other issues in our country? Absolutely there are other issues. Does God call people to work on different things? Yes, but I'm telling you, outside of the sharing of the gospel, which is eternity at stake, this, in my opinion, is the leading issue of our day. It is the social justice issue of our day. And maybe you're, you know, maybe you've gotten, um, you've, you've been thinking about the Black Lives Matter thing, and that's, that's become very popular. Okay. As I just walked you through that, you want to make a difference in the black community? Be pro-life. Want to make a difference? Educate. Want to make a difference? Love people. Come alongside. Makes a huge difference participate in some way don't be a bystander the bible tells us in proverbs 24 verse 11 and 12 i think we should all put this on our refrigerators or in our bible this is what it says rescue those being led away to death hold back those staggering towards slaughter if you say but we knew nothing about this does not he who weighs the heart perceive it does not he who guards your life know it will he not repay everyone according to what they have done 
I would not advise you to stand before a holy God at judgment, which we will all do, and say, yeah, I voted for pro-abortion candidates because I liked their position on you fill in the blank. I think we have a tendency to judge others in history. We look at Christians in Germany and we think, how could you stand by and allow six million Jews to be massacred in gas chambers? How could you do that? Where were you, church? And some of them did stand up. Diedrich Bonhoeffer paid with his life and others. Where are we, church? Where are we? Participation does matter. Did you know, and here's some good news, you're like, please, give me some good news. The abortion numbers have dropped. They are dropping. Places like Find Out Free Clinic are making a difference. Churches that listen and care about people. Churches that walk alongside of people and help them in their time of need. It is making a difference. We are seeing a difference. Now, there's still a lot of abortions but the latest numbers 862,320 if you look back we were running back in uh, 2012 over a million abortions a year it was a million and 11,000 abortions a year and so that's a 14 percent drop but that's 148,680 lives difference a year that's significant. That's about half the population of Anchorage that is now living that could have died if we had stayed on that same trajectory. It's not enough. It needs to get better. There shouldn't be any child that's murdered in this country. But there is, there is impact in what we financially give to God is answering some of those prayers. I would not have thought that in the last four years that three pro-life judges were put on the Supreme Court. Three of them. That's what happened. Now we are entering an administration at the presidential level that based on what they said in the campaign will probably be the most pro-choice administration we've ever seen. Or right up close. So this is a fight. This is real, substantial, the most significant evil of our day. One way to participate is to pray. You're like, well, you're a preacher. Of course you said that. I'm telling you, anything God can do, prayer can do. I was reading about Bernard Nathanson one of the pioneers in the abortion industry. He's responsible for about 75,000 abortions. He eventually rejected the abortion industry, came to Christ, became a follower of Christ, and began to work against it. That only happens because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That only happens because of the work of the Holy Spirit. That only happens because people prayed for those. I mean, if you knew him, if you met him, he hated Christians. You would never ever think it was possible that he would turn change his direction 
And yet he did. Because God loves everyone. God never looks at somebody and says, they're too far gone, I cannot bring them back. And so his final season of life, he poured in to offering life to people. Some people protest. I'm not a big wave a sign guy. Not my favorite thing, but some people do that. And that can be a good reminder to folks. I think that helping with the Find Out Free Clinic is one of the best things you can do. They're on the front lines of it. They have established reputation. People come to them. It's, it's powerful. And if you can help in some way, whether it's financially, whether it's being a regular prayer supporter of theirs, whether it's going and volunteering your time, being a volunteer uh, to talk to the women, uh, to work with the men, there are lots of different ways that you can do that. And then another one I'll mention, and we just came through a pretty rough election season, but I will just say elections matter. Elections matter. I was absolutely shocked because I've, been, I've become more politically involved in the last couple of years at the local level. I feel like that's where I can make the most difference. And I was walking around, you know, sticking things on doors for a friend of mine who was running for a local office. And I was shocked. I had no idea. And everywhere I went, I, pretty much 100% of the houses are, are pretty close to it. I must have been following the, the man or woman, was this huge, expensive flyer for the other side, the other person, and it was paid for by Planned Parenthood. This was a little, dinky, local election. And this multi-billion dollar death industry is reaching into Fairbanks, Alaska for a little local election? The reach is far and wide, folks. This is, this is a war. At a lot of levels, I was stunned at how much money, because I had some concept of, you know, I was looking at what they put, put out. So I encourage you to engage. Don't be a bystander. So let me give you a, kind of a closing story and then give you one last example. My dad had a, had a favorite story, and I like it too. And it's about... A young boy, and he's walking along the beach, and there's this older man watching him. And what had happened, they're on the, at the ocean, and these starfish had gotten washed up, hundreds of them, up on the sandy beach. And this little boy's running down the seashore, and he's picking up the starfish, and he's throwing them back into the ocean, because see, if they're, if they're on the beach, they're going to die. They're not going to make it. And so he's He's throwing one after another as far as he can out into the ocean. And the older man watches him, looks at the hundreds of starfish on the seashore, and he says, you can't make a difference. There's too many of them. And the boy thought about it for a minute, picked up another starfish, and he said, you may be right, but I can make a difference for this one, and threw it back into the ocean. 62 million is overwhelming. But you can walk alongside somebody who's hurting and about to make a decision that means life or death. You can pray faithfully for the center, for the Supreme Court. 
And so I want to encourage you. You can make a difference with the person who's right in front of you. I was reading this week about Melissa Odin. She survived a late-term abortion. She was about to die. She was supposed to die by the hands of her own grandmother, who was a nurse, and had kind of forced the mom to get an abortion. And yet she got left on the table to die, and two other nurses intervened and saved her life. They did what was right, and they did what was right in front of them. And so today, she leads the Abortion Survivor Network, others who have survived abortion attempts, and eventually she even has reconciled and gotten together with her birth mother, who allowed the abortion attempt. You never know what God will do. So here's the big idea. The big idea is this. Let me leave you here. Life matters. The question is, does life matter to you? Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for each person here. I pray that the sweet balm of forgiveness and grace would be felt by any who have participated in abortion at any level, whether a woman who's had one, a man who pushed it, someone who worked in that industry. Lord, you offer to everyone unmerited favor, grace, forgiveness through the cross of Jesus Christ. And I pray that anyone who is wrestling with guilt or shame will come to you and experience your saving grace. Lord, it's overwhelming. We don't always know what to do, but I pray that each of us would choose to step from being a bystander to becoming involved at whatever that level is, whatever your unique calling on our life on this particular issue. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for those on the front line. We pray for the clinic. We pray for Sarah and her team. Lord, this is a frontline ministry with lots of spiritual warfare, lots of just high-stakes conversations. We pray for your wisdom to flow from them, to flow through them. We pray that your love and compassion would come out of them so naturally in every situation, no matter how hard the story that they're hearing. Lord, thank you for life. Thank you for our mothers who chose life. Lord, I pray that our nation will repent and pursue you. Amen.